Good morning. It's Tuesday, April 14th, Tax Day Eve here in the United States. This is Tech Talk Today, episode 157, and my name is definitely Chris, and uh, I've already gotten the tax bad news. Man, I hate You know, working for yourself, there is nothing worse than tax day when you are self-employed. It has got to be – it's like, what's the opposite of Christmas? Like, once you become an adult, you lose out on things like, you know, like Christmas and Easter, and what you pick up is things like tax day. It's the worst. <laughs> And anniversaries. Anyways, that's not what we're here to talk about today. We are here to talk about the tech news, and there is a lot of it. So let me bring in our panel of internet experts. Time appropriate greetings. Mumble room. Good morning. Hi, guys. Hey, so let's start with this thing that is blowing my mind, and that is uh, rumor has it the Googs is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, baby. I'm so sorry. I know how much you hate it when I say that. Google. The largest search engine in the world is rumored to be launching its own wireless service, its own MVNO, its own cell service called likely Google Wireless. Although internally it has a couple of different names because it's two parts, both hardware and software. Uh, So this is almost essentially confirmed at this point. Uh, According to details uncovered by Android police, thanks to a leaked leaked app uh, that will be uh, accompanying the wireless service, Internally, it referred to as Nova in many previous rumors, but now being called Project Phi. It could the the wireless service get this brand new would only charge you for what you use. Google will take your minutes, your messages, and your megabytes and add them up in whatever bucket you fall into at the end of the month. That's all you'll pay. <laughs> Is this a tink spot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I wonder where Google got this idea from. Uh, so they're thinking there'll be a per a set per gigabyte price, perhaps, and you can buy however much as you need by the gigabyte. But if you don't use up your full gigabyte, Google might credit you for the remainder. So it's kind of like a mix of the Ting system and a rollover system. Not super impressed by that. And it's not necessarily definitive either because an alternate rumor is coming out saying that it would be just by gigabyte p- plans. Now, this one says instead of pay for what you use and with a, with a like prepay purchase, it would be only prepay purchase where you would pre-buy the gigabytes that you'd end up needing to use. Still no word on if Google services would be free. Uh, Project Fi also appears to have support for switching between phones without having to swap SIM cards. And users can have all calls and texts rerouted to the other phone automatically with Project Fi, which would be an interesting and unique advantage if they're a mobile carrier. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, it sounds like part of it also will run on top of T-Mobile and Sprint, perhaps allowing the user to switch between the network, also sort of like Ting does. Hmm. Any thoughts, Mumble Room, on this? Would you guys be interested in Google Wireless? I don't know. I like to pay for what you use, but Google already knows too much about me. I don't know if I'd want them to be my ISP, unless I had a, like a full-time VPN running. Yeah, as a chat says, maybe they're just buying Ting. <laughs> yeah, they should, huh? be honest with you, I prefer – here's what here's what I would think. If Googs came in – I'm sorry. I'm sorry, baby. I'm so sorry, honey. I know you hate that. If Google, the world's largest internet search company, came in and became a cellular company, they would essentially be validating the MVNO space. And then you would see Ting as essentially, hey, look, it does all this stuff that Googs do- – I'm sorry, baby. I know you hate it when I do that. I'm so sorry. Google, the world's largest search company – if they get in there and validate this and you look at them and go, boy, I like what they're doing, but I don't want to have Google as my, as my wireless service company, I'll just use Ting. And uh, so maybe it'd actually be a good thing for Ting because it essentially validates the concept. Uh, and if, you know, if one of the world's largest companies, Google, the world's largest search engine, where their stock ticker is Goog, you can look them up, uh, if they switched over and did this kind of thing, that does pretty much validate that space. 
maybe it'll just um, give the other cell carriers like Verizon and AT&T a kick in the butt, you know, yeah. add more competition. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Exactly. Uh, that would be the biggest thing, the biggest benefit, regardless of what happens with Ting. The biggest benefit would be uh, really going after AT&T and Verizon, which is essentially a duopoly and a, a pretty big one at that. And and uh, I would love to see them crack away at that. And to be honest with you, I just don't think it's T-Mobile. I don't I don't I don't I don't buy that T-Mobile CEO's um, personality that he portrays. Uh, I I just I, I don't buy the whole thing. Him him argue, I don't know if you guys saw this, but T-Mobile CEO was arguing with Donald Trump over Twitter over the weekend, and the whole thing just reeks of a PR stunt. Really, Donald Trump? He's arguing with Donald Trump. Really? Something about it. I just and I, I'm not a, I'm not like anti-T-Mobile. In fact, I, I I have been a T-Mobile customer many times. In fact, I was a T-Mobile customer when it was Voice Stream, and they were what's her face uh, from True Lies was doing their ads. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to dog on T-Mobile. I know a lot of you out there really like them, but I just don't think they're the game changer. They're not, they're not moving the dial in a way that really matters. But you take Googs. Oh, I'm sorry, baby. I'm sorry. I really don't mean to do that. Google, the world's largest search company, and have them get in the wireless industry. I think that'd be a big deal. Uh, while we're in this whole area, before we move too far out of this, we're talking about Apple and Google and stuff like that. It's worth noting, uh, Apple Watch went on sale since the last time we gathered here today. And uh, <laughs> that's actually, that's a good saying. Gather, we are gathered here today. We are. We do a daily show called Tech Talk Today, and we are gathered here. So last time we were gathered here today, Apple Watch was about to go on sale. Well, as you probably heard, we don't have official numbers from Apple yet, but analysts are predicting around a million sales, uh, as pegs uh, estimated at 957,000, actually, on the first day, on the first day of Apple Watch sales. Not iPhone numbers. But, but to be sure, but when you put it in the context of all Android Wear devices sold for the last year, it's a pretty big deal, uh, and that's that's what this Business Insider article is picking up on. Uh, depending on the numbers you look at, it looks like there was somewhere between seven hundred and one million total, seven hundred thousand and one million total Android Wear devices sold for all of their existence, essentially um, counting 2014 and I believe uh, the first month of Jan, uh, first month of 2015. So that that's where these, that this number is, is about somewhere between 700,000 and a million Android Wear devices were sold in a year's time. The Apple Watch comes out in a single day and outsells every Android Wear device on the market. I still, I still am going to hold the position that I think the, Andro- the Apple Watch is going to be mediocre hot compared to their other devices it's a, it starts at 350 dollars to get a decent not even a, not even their nice one and you have to have a 350 dollars iphone 5s or better to work with it and they're extremely limited supply to me i don't think this is going to be a blowout category for apple not unless that price of that watch comes down by 100 bucks or so i think it's going to do really well probably do better than a lot of the wearables but i don't think this is going to be such a category changer unless some big things change Maybe. Well, uh, just to point out, it looks like uh, uh, Google has been working on getting Android Wear working with uh, iPhones. And I think that that'll really actually help their push, you know, all these Android Wear. I have an Android Wear device. I have the Moto 360, and I love it. And uh, my family is jealous of it. And now they just dropped in price. They were two fifty. Now they're a hundred and like one sixty right? or something. 65. Yeah, they're way down there. Yeah. yeah. So, so Ryan, what do you like about the Moto three sixty? Because uh, so I have the uh, I have the LG Watch R right, which is also a three sixty round display and Android Wear connected to my Nexus five. So I'm, I'm curious, what what do you find compelling about about it as a device for you? 
Well, the main thing is just getting the, you know, getting the notifications and like, I get a lot of texts from my wife and, and, and other, and I'm, I'm a sysadmin, so I get a lot of emails and just being able to just glance real quick. Is this important? Do I need to deal with it? And if I do, if it's just a quick response, I can hit the reply yeah. and just say yeah. it. Yeah. And it's, it saves me so much time because I get probably like 500 emails a day. So, so have you found though that you have to go through and trim down what makes it to your watch or not? Or because how does that not just stress you the hell out with your watch constantly buzzing? Yeah, I, I guess I don't have that problem. I just, you know, oh, okay. I've managed to just. So in, you unless, don't mind constant interruptions on your wrist? No, not really. I mean, I just, it, all I ever do is I just I glance down if I can, you know, and take a look. Okay. Well, what does this say? I know. Okay. I, I, it doesn't matter because I do get a lot of stuff that just really doesn't matter. And I can yeah. tell from the text real quick. And I'd rather have this and pulling out my phone every time because right. I'm going to do that. Right. You know, if because yes. I need to know yes. if it's important, you know, is our production server down? At least looking at my wrist, you know, it's yep. like I can just glance real quick. But the main thing is I'm going to say this is a long game. Google always plays a long game. And what they're going to do is they're going to be Apple on price. I swear when this stuff when you can use your Android Wear device with an iPhone, you know, people like my parents who kind of think the watch is cool but don't really want to drop $400 on it and be like, okay, well, maybe I can drop $150 on it. Right. You know, right. like that's not going to – and they, they have iPhones so that, you know, it's – they're, I, I they're think not going to buy an Apple Watch, but maybe they'll buy an Android Wear watch that's priced right. I think the long game analysis is correct, and the only way I—to uh, me, the only way these watches seem super, super viable is for me. Now, obviously, it sounds like it's a lot different for you, Ryan, but for me, is I want curated notifications. I want just the most important stuff making it to my watch. Work with the priority notification system that's an Android Five where you can set certain people as priority and they can break through your notifications while everyone else is muted. Extend that to where. And it's getting there. Uh, it has really rough support there, but I would really like more controls based around that. Uh, for me, that would make that would make any watch, uh, and the Apple Watch appears to be sort of failing at this too. It seems to be just all notifications on by default. And to, for me, that's too much because it breaks my workflow. Um, because I sometimes will mute my phone, but my wrist is still buzzing. However, there are some there are times where I like to be able to look up, glance at something, and dismiss it or decide to take action on it right then. Um, and and that is really nice. The other night I was cooking dinner and I just need to give somebody the okay so they could place a hardware order before the store closed. And so I just tapped my watch and said, "Yep, that looks good," and send it back and never had to stop cooking. I was like, oh, "Okay, that's kind of nice." And my watch wasn't even in, or my phone wasn't even in the same room. Uh, so that is handy. But where I think long term. Uh, these wearable devices seem like they would really have their value is if they have the immense resources of like Google Now or something like that, where they can push relevant information to my wrist that actually matters. Uh, like, so I'm looking right now, for example, at my watch and it tells me, okay, I've been active for four minutes total today. So I, I don't know where the hell it gets that crap from. And right now it's just Google Now cards as I swipe through the interface here. I just get different, like, here's my son's birthday gift that just arrived. That's kind of nice. I can look at that. But these are all things I would get on my phone normally. However, you can see the the, the advantage there. If Google Now could become more and more relevant, um, so like right now, it's reminding me at this point about credit card bills. I don't know if you, I don't know, I, I don't know how many people have what features of Now, um, depending on what versions of Android you have or whatever, however the hell it works. But I get like, uh, I get reminders about due uh, credit card bills, I get uh, obviously uh, birthday reminders, calendar reminders, all of all of this stuff in Now, and Now seems to have what I've started very skeptical of Now. I, uh, for me, initially Google Now, and still it's still in this in this phase, but I can see it leaving this phase. It's in this phase where 
I give over whole hog access to anything I have in the Google ecosystem. Now that they have this one unified EULA that allows them to aggregate data and, and metrics across all of their all of their properties, they're using that to fuel now, right? They're using my Gmail, my Docs, my Google searches, my calendar appointments, my chats. They're, they're, they're processing all of it. We know that. And so the question always has been, is that exchange, is that amount of access I'm giving to my life to Google worth their super awesome Python scripts running in the background and figuring out my life and putting it together in a Google Now card layout. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I feel like it's been getting closer over the last year. Um, I've mentioned a couple of times on air, there's been a couple of events where Google Now literally sort of saved the night. And I was like, oh, wow, that just bought them six months more of my usage. And it was like my wife's birthday concert that we would totally have missed if Google Now hadn't warned me because there was an accident on the freeway. And like it literally saved a very important night for us. And so I was like, okay, so that just popped them. And then like more recently, when I've been seeing people about my sleep, like it's really been helping me like, hey, bro, you better leave right now because you, you this drive is going to take you five minutes longer than you think. And I was like, what? Oh, yeah. Again, so you, there are areas where Google Now has become extremely relevant to me. And I've thought to myself, if that kind of contextually aware, we know what's going on in your life. And of course, pay, take this a few years down the road where I've got smart devices, so Google's aware of the state of the temperature in my house, the lighting conditions, the air quality in my house. Uh, it's tied in with my automatic device that's on my truck, so it knows the conditions of my engine. All of these things, all of this information that Google will aggregate more and more of over time can, can be distilled down into bite-sized, relevant pieces of information pushed to your watch. And only Google, only Google in the entire world is in the position to do this. Nobody else can do it. Apple might be able to manufacture the best hardware watch, quality-wise, um, graphics processing-wise, Johnny Ive white box style introduction-wise. Nobody can beat Apple at that. That's what Apple's the best at. That's what Apple does the best of. But what Google does the best of is getting all up in our business, processing that, and then giving it to us in relevant pieces of information. And they're not fully there yet, but I think these watches play a really critical piece of that. I think because they... because. Having something that is always strapped to you, that makes the difference. That is because the phone, you forget, you have to put it in your pocket. Now, a lot of us geeks, we're pretty good at that. And some of us hardcore geeks even have holsters, which is a little ridiculous, but let's admit it, we do it, right? So we're not the types that lose our phone as much. But for Google, a company that is constantly needing input, constantly needs sensors in your life, constantly needs data, and constantly needs a screen to push relevant information to you because that's the only way they have access to you, a watch is so important. Like a watch to Apple sells a few more watches, right? But a watch to Google is like an entire another sensor for their data points. It's an entire another screen to push relevant information to you. It's another place to, to collect voice samples when you give it voice commands. It's another place to display potentially relevant information and ads. Like, for Google, long-term, Android Wear is so critical. Like, it's a key part of their overall strategy. I can see that. Who knows if it'll develop that way, but you could see how it would be. And so, I believe, long-term, Android Wear would seem to be the better bet because it's essentially fundamentally relevant to Google's best interest to make sure that they get the best information to that watch, and all of their back-end infrastructure keeps continually getting better while these watches can stay at a regular hardware iteration pace. They can build out the Google Now and all that back-end infrastructure like the mad maniacs that they are at an incredible rate and make these watches even better without having to have a new one put on my wrist every couple of years. And that's also something that Apple cannot fully offer. See, but that's, I have some concerns there because I, I, I love my Android Wear watch and it 
does great. Google Now is really uh, an incredible part of that. And without it, I mean, the watch is a lot less useful. Yeah, yeah. But I don't, I sure don't like wholesale giving them all my information. I mean, I, I realize that a lot of people are cool with that, but right. at the same time, like the watch has really brought it home to me. And I, I wrote about this on my blog, but you know, like it's just, man, I give, I'm giving them so much information and they know me like so well yeah. that it's kind of freaky and, right. and not always in the good way, you know, I'm cause I know that just watching, uh, Gosh, what's his name? He does the 30 days thing on uh, uh, Morgan Spurlock. He did a thing on uh, CNN, you know, where he tried where he tried to get his information from advertisers, you know, what they had on him. And he and he couldn't get it, you know, even though he knew that they had all sorts of information on him, like Mm -hmm. web advertisers. And, uh, you know, I know that that information is being sold wholesale to all these different companies and everything. And some of it is like, like some of it is personal, you know, like a, really personal, especially like, you know, when you're wearing your watch and it's fa- and you're going all over the place yep. and you're yep. interacting with your watch and your phone. Like all these things are going into Google now. They know when I went to the doctor's office to pick up this prescription, I, they know when I you know, they, and they guess before I even go to a lot of places, it's like, okay, it'll take you three minutes to get there. Okay. Well, obviously you like, you've drawn from a lot of different data points to figure this out. Yes. It's very, it's incredible really. And it just worries me, especially with, you know, you've covered it really well on the unfiltered show, but just with, with uh, maybe these eyes that you don't even know are, are looking and they, they know what your whole day looks like, you know, before right. you even begun. Yeah, it's interesting. And- if you go to, uh, oh, gosh, I can't remember. It's like if you go into your uh, Google uh, dashboard, you know, where you can go there and get all your information. If you want to just kind of get a sense of that, if you use like if you use an Android phone with now turned on and location tracking, go into your Google account dashboard and uh, go into the history location. See, I'm looking at it right now. I don't know if I want to show it on the screen, obviously, but uh, so let's see here. So you go into your dashboard, and it just gives you like a very generic-looking kind of list of all the different Google services that you participate, and it gives you interesting stats. Like I can see I have 1,200 bookmarks that were last synced at 8.55 a.m. I have 1,200 contract contacts. Um, five, I have well over 500 documents, well over 500 docs shared with me. I have 77,000 individual conversations in my personal Gmail account. All this information is available in the Google dashboard about you. And one of the craziest things you can do is you can view your location history. Now, of course, it's kind of tricky for me to show you on air because this would show you my location history. Um, but it is fascinating. It is extremely fascinating. Uh, like uh, here's uh, I don't know if this, this probably doesn't show you too much. Uh, and down below where you can't quite see it, there's like an activity chart of, uh, of where I've been that I can, sw- I can swipe around. And you can replay. And you can literally replay your locations where Google has known you to be. And it's a good reminder of how in you are. And this is a contrast to the Apple Watch. The Apple Watch isn't going to be powered by collecting information. The Apple Watch, their cell is going to be, well, app, app developers will make great apps. But I don't know if that's enough for a watch. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, well, uh, one thing I should probably mention just because this is a new show <laughs> and it's newsworthy while we're talking about Apple. Before we totally move away from Apple, uh, Apple has banned selfie sticks mo- and monopods 
from WWDC 2015. That's the headline I'm running with, Apple banned selfie sticks and monopods. I guess the other headline you could go with is Apple announced WWDC for June 8th through the 12th in San Francisco. So we'll be, giving, we'll be getting coverage of WWDC 2015, uh, June 8th through uh, when they have their keynote, and then we'll do some follow-up stuff. Expected to see iOS 9 there, probably some t- OS 10, 11, and maybe some other things. Maybe some other things, but probably some watch things. But don't bring your selfie stick, guys. Because Apple will kick you out. Tim Cook will personally kick you in the nuts if you bring a selfie stick. Uh, really quickly, uh, some follow-up to the Bitcoin news we covered recently. The story develops further, doesn't it? The new Bitcoin Foundation director, Bruce Fenton, pledges fiscal reform. Uh, as uh, Coindesk puts it, veteran Bitcoin activist Bruce Fenton has been named the Bitcoin Foundation's newest executive director. He was elected by a 5-1 to one vote. He succeeds interim direct executive director Patrick Merck and outgoing executive director John Matnonis, the latter who of whom resigned on October 30th. I think we covered that. And now, as you guys are familiar, uh, the Bitcoin Foundation is going through some pretty serious financial turmoil right now and has had some staff cuts recently. In an interview, Fenton, the new uh, director, said that he stressed that his greatest asset to the Bitcoin Foundation will be his ability to serve as a bridge between the organization's individual and corporate members. He cited his full-time position as CEO of Atlantic Financial and is involved with Bitcoin as a technology enthusiast. He also is going to focus on fiscal responsibilities and get the foundation fiscal house back under order he's going to be serving um as a volunteer for a little while or he had been serving as a volunteer and he'll be getting paid eventually as they get those things sorted out so the bitcoin foundation story continues to develop and we'll watch it and uh, give you updates as it goes i wanted to give a shout out to a great thread in the tech talk today subreddit colin s c e at first i was like what oh, a political thing on our subreddit because it's a it's a link to Rand paul's sites you guys know Rand paul's running for for president here in the United States in 2016, and so is Hillary. And uh, this is truly a sign that is the year 2015. Uh, the Rand Paul campaign is selling Hillary's hard drive on clearance sale, and they have a <laughs> they have uh, they they have like a disclaimer. It's it's really good if you you have to look at the link if you're listening to the audio version. It's got a big red sticker on this. Is heavy use now perfectly clean. A freshly formatted, 100% erased, clean email server hard drive. Buyer beware, this product has had heavy use and is currently no longer working. But it doesn't mean it's not valuable. It's a limited edition. They have 80 of these. you got to get them while they last. This is so funny to me that in 2015 now, a formatted hard drive is a political campaign piece. I thought that was pretty classic. But what I liked even better was the comments in the subreddit about it. Uh, 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 Corsal, Corsal, I can't say his name. Corsal Burden says, uh, "No worries, there's a backup in the cloud," and he links to the NSA's Utah Data Center Wikipedia page, <laughs> which is a great one. And then the yeah, yeah, non-mobile cloud, and oh, this is this is just great. So it was just a funny thread, and I just thought, wow, we have definitely entered, entered the political season in a new way, where they're now selling dead hard drives from Hillary's email server. That's pretty funny. That's not bad. Uh, you know what else isn't bad? Supporting the entire Jupiter Broadcasting Network, every single show that you appreciate on the Jupiter Broadcasting Network, and keeping the show on the air as a thank you to those of you that do that. Patreon.com slash today. 473. We're so close to that next big 4,000 milestone, which would be so cool if we got to there before Linux Fest Northwest. And that's a nice marker, too, because we're going to be celebrating in a big way with the whole crew coming up for Linux Fest Northwest. And uh, I, I really... I know it's going to be a big moment for Jupiter Broadcasting, having everybody out here, and it wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for our patrons. We're using the funding from Patreon to help afford the hotels for, for a lot of these people, the, the flight, all of that. It's extremely expensive. And then some of the swag and some of the goodies we'll be giving away at the booth 
Thank you, patrons. Patreon.com slash today. You finance efforts like this. Um, I think a lot of podcast networks probably would seek um, commercial sponsorship. Maybe one day I'll decide that's the way. I, I'm not saying that's not the way. It's just this feels like for right now, the size of Jupiter Broadcasting, where we're at, this is the way to go. Patreon.com slash today. Thanks to all 473 of you. I love you guys for keeping all of these great shows that we want to experiment with going. And uh, every now and then when we have some, uh, you know, we have a gap that needs to be covered, you guys have been able to come in and do that. And hopefully you enjoy the exclusives we put on the activity feed. Patreon.com slash today. Thanks, guys. Hey, so uh, this Friday I won't be doing a show because I think I'll be picking up Noah from the airport. Speaking of Linux Fest Northwest, he'll be flying in a little early. So a plan on that. And then next week, I don't exactly know. Don't worry about it too much because this is a ways off. But next week, I don't know exactly what the show schedule is going to be. But if it works out as people land, you know, if they're around in the morning when I'm doing the show, like maybe that like – I could get them in here and I'll have some in-studio guests from our various shows is that people show up for Linux Fest Northwest. That, I don't know if that's doable because I don't actually know everybody's flight schedules, but that would seriously be like the highlight of my week is if we could get Alan and we could get Noah and bring Michael Dominic in here and maybe even get Chris. Wow, do we have enough shows? I'm going to have to do more episodes. <laughs> I think it'd be really fun. And we'll probably be off next. Yeah, I think we will be off next Friday too because we'll be uh, taking this, a lot of the stuff down to take it up to uh, Bellingham. So uh, next week will be pretty crazy, but the episodes we do have next week will be pretty great, I think. I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, you are more than welcome to hang out with us live and chat with uh, our co-hosts as they're in here. Just join us. Uh, join us this week too. JBLive.tv, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. We have an open mumble room. We just got to check your mic, and then you can come in and hang out with us and share your thoughts or commentary on the stories as we go. And a lot of times on the pre-show, we'll, we'll discuss news of the day and see what maybe you guys think should be included, and you could help make it a better show. And you're always welcome to bring a hot story as well. If there's something you think would be relevant to my interest or the audience interest, here's what you do. Just think, would Chris like to talk about this? And if you think there's a story out there I'd like to talk about, show up in the mumble room. Let's talk about it. I love it. Why not? It doesn't just have to be the ones I pick. And that's jblive.tv, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. Uh, Disco, I would love to make it to Detroit. Um, I was actually just talking to a friend of mine who's visiting Chicago and thought, God, I would love to go with you and then do a meetup while I was in Chicago. That, I mean, I, that's something I'm thinking a lot more of. Um, I, you know, it's been harder because I have young kids, but as my kids start to get a little bit older, I feel like it's uh, not as bad if I go out for a little bit. So that might be something I start doing pretty soon. If you're interested as we travel around to do that or just want to meet with us, even uh, in the Pacific Northwest, we do have a meetup page. And when I've, been, I've been soliciting people to go there and sign up. 127 of you have at meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. We just set this up. Our first event is Linux Fest Northwest. I think the next public event we'll probably have, maybe, might, we might have one before that. It'll probably be Linux Unplugged episode 100. But I'm also uh, talking to Alan and Noah and... Um, who, oh, yeah, Mike. I just suggested Mr. Dominic, too, that uh, you know if you guys want to use this when you're traveling... Absolutely, have at it. So our hosts, when they go out and about too, can do meetups as well. Meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting if you want to find out about events in our neck of the woods or your neck of the woods. That's the place to do it. And I I think specifically too, um, this show will probably, if I start doing a lot of meetups, um, this show would probably see the most of the clips from that because it'd probably be just general technology conversations. And uh, I think that'd be a really interesting way to get some uh, cool content. Like we get a great discussion going. I mean, I, I don't know exactly how I would do this, but I was picturing like a meetup. We go somewhere fun, relaxed. I just put a recorder down. I hit record. We just let it go. I just, we just forget that it's even there. And uh, if we get into a great conversation around the table, I can go back into that later and be like, oh, yeah, we talked about that. And I just go find that and play it on the show or something. It could work out really cool. And it might mean that out of like three or four hours of recording, I, I walk away with five minutes of audio. But that's kind of how it goes. 
That'd be really neat. Minneapolis would be great too. Chicago ain't Detroit. No, I know. No, I know. I just, <laughs> I realized that, but I was just thinking, I was just talking to somebody yesterday about making it to Chicago. Um, yeah, maybe we should do, yeah, funding campaigns so I make it to different cities. Well, patreon.com slash today. If the funding on that goes up, that's what we would use to, to finance my travel um, because then we would be budgeting it, right? That's the great thing about the Patreon is that is, a, that is a budgetable number. So we can say, okay, we've now reached this amount of funding. We can now budget to do this. Individual fundraisers are great because you can probably in a burst raise more money in one go. And uh, but you don't have long term predictability. And if it's something I want to be able to do on a reoccurring basis, and if it's something I want to be able to schedule for you guys to be able to depend on, so you can adjust your schedules, I'd prefer it to be a more reoccurring revenue source, so that way it's dependable, and that way everybody can depend on me when I say I'm going to be somewhere. So uh, that's part of all of the Patreon funding. Patreon.com/slash today. All right. Well, I've rambled on along quite enough, I think. Uh, we've talked about Apple Watch getting into this new market. There's a couple of categories that Apple was also very early into and bombed. It's not always success for Apple. It has been more so recently, and I have every reason to believe that out of all of the wearables, theirs will probably be the most successful, for at least for a long time. But they have had other efforts in the past that perhaps you've wondered today are markets they should be in. Why, why, aren't these in these mar- why aren't they in this market? Why aren't they in that market? Well, it turns out Apple kind of is in the digital camera market now with the iPhone, obviously. That's one of the most popular cameras on Flickr, or maybe it's the most popular camera on Flickr. Well, it turns out that Apple did take another shot at the digital camera market a long time ago, back in the early 90s. In fact, Apple turns out to be one of the first companies to ever ship a digital camera. I don't know if they were the first, but I think they were definitely one of the first. And it was something kind of unique. And this commercial reminds us of one of Apple's early super flops. See you tomorrow, everybody. Before. After. Before. After. Before, after. How do you get from before to after? Simple. Introducing the Apple Quick Take Digital Camera. It makes everything you do look better than before.